this is the Get Out of Here Baldy Podcast, episode 18, November 29th, 2022. Today, Pastor Ben and Pastor Aaron talk about the National Day Celebration, November 29th, Throw Out Your Leftovers Day. This day in history, November 28th, 1893. Women vote in a national election for the first time in the New Zealand general election. We talk about Pastor Ben's teaching last Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent in a series called Ponder Anew, Jesus as the Second Adam. We're so thankful to have our baldy buddies join us again. And so friends, let's go get this bread. They're Ben and Aaron, and they love sharing about their love for Jesus and food covered in cheeses. Weird news, history, sports regaled from a generation raised playing Oregon Trail. National celebrations almost every day. There's only one thing I have to say. Don't you point or stare at their lack of hair. Yes, they're follically challenged, so sing along with the biblical Baldy Ballad. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, read 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 23. Get out of here, Baldy. Get out of here, Baldy. If you don't know what I mean, if you don't know what I mean. Come and take a listen to your two bald kings. Well, what's up, fam? How's everybody doing? It is Tuesday. We're actually recording when we're supposed to this week. We've. I'm impressed because we've been doing it on Mondays, and we had been in, in the practice of doing Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, this is sort of back into I a, feel behind the curve now. <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully that means we have a semi-normal week, which we don't. But anyway, um, well, I didn't even introduce myself. I am your host, Aaron Michaud, and I am joined with, as always, uh, by Pastor Ben Hitzfield. Welcome, brother. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and and to you, our baldy buddies. I was thinking we got to have like a, like a catch name for for people who listen buddies. on the reg. You know, so baldy buddies and something with a B. It doesn't have to be buddies, but maybe. I mean, we should could, get them like shower caps with our logo on it or something <laughs> like this. This would be our merch. Become a Baldy buddy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's worth a shot. That's good. We'll, we'll hey, do dude, how was your Thanksgiving? We had a good time. Uh, we went to Topeka All right. for Wednesday and Thursday. And my plan was to bake an apple pie, but uh, Becca's sister – Melissa, who lives in Wichita, had car trouble. And so Wednesday night at, I want to say, 7 o'clock, they got a call saying that unless we came to pick her up in Wichita, she wasn't going to be able to make it. And, of course, that's not an option. And so Becca's dad and I got into the car, left Topeka. It was sometime after 7, probably, and made the almost two-hour trip to Wichita. We listened to the K-State game against LSU in uh, the Cayman Islands. All right. And uh, the K-State won that game. 
right as we were pulling into Wichita, we picked up Becca's sister, Melissa, and then we headed back for Topeka. So it was a late night. Becca had to make my apple pie, and she did a great job. The next day, I spent a lot of time in the kitchen with and everybody in, in the family. Uh, Becca's great grandmother, um, or Becca's grandmother, um, Eliana's great grandmother, was was help. Everybody got involved and uh, just had a lot of good food and Wonderful. enjoyed my pies. Wonderful. What about you? Well, it was my mom came to town, so that was pretty awesome. Yeah. And we had done uh, a friend's giving with the college students and then with the youth. Um, so we were kind of turkeyed and hammed out at that point. And so uh, we did a little unorthodox. Mm. Uh, so it was just uh, R4 and my mom on Thanksgiving. And I did a beef roast and did a marinade that was a balsamic soy mustard. And it was, I mean, okay. I killed it. It was so good. Wow. And then I smoked that bad boy wow. to medium rare, seared it to finish it off. <laughs> No, we had like smashed potatoes and used that marinade oh. as like a gravy. And oh, it was just, Lord. yeah, we had a good time. Happy Thanksgiving me shows. And then I oh. got, uh, yeah, this weekend I got a, my neighbor gave me a burn barrel. Um, Cause I was, no, he was burning stuff and I was like, man, I got to get one of those. And he's like, I think I have an extra one in back. And so I, I spent my weekend just setting stuff on fire in a burn barrel. It was pretty awesome. That's good. That's a good Thanksgiving weekend. We had like like we had a bunch of just things lying around the yard or like old yeah. kind of posts sitting up that like were just like spider traps and stuff. And so I just got to rip them out and just set them aflame. So therapeutic to and you could throw so many things in a burn barrel and it feels so oh, good. It was fantastic. I had yeah. the leaf blower like turning it into like this jet stream. Mm. Um, don't worry, everyone. I had the hose and the fire extinguisher you know, like, just in case anything went wrong. But um, So it was fun. It was fun. Mm. So and, and now that we're about a week out mm. uh, of Thanksgiving, I thought uh, this national celebration would be worth discussing. November 29th is uh, National Throw Out Your Leftovers Day. So this is celebrated, and the goal of the day is to get and throw away all the leftovers that are rotting in the fridge and, frankly, too far gone for your consumption. Stocking up is one thing, but hoarding food, especially leftovers, are not just bad for your fridge, but detrimental to your health. Eating days-old leftovers regularly can rob your body of important nutrients because when food is kept for a long time, the nutrition levels go down, and some food items may even become toxic. Ooh. I didn't fact check that. I don't know if it's true or not. But anyway, so do your gut a favor and throw out your leftovers. This actually pains me to say. Um, so anyway, uh, some activities. Uh, you can do the obvious, like throw your leftovers out. Uh, but on top of that, it's a chance to maybe clean your fridge okay. if you haven't done that for a while. Wipe it out. Yeah, if you've got get some sort of weird wipe. residue that's like sticky in there, go ahead and get it over. Mm. And then uh, – a third thing is just to consider why do I have so many leftovers um, and just be mindful of maybe rationing ourselves a little better. So anyway, those, that's some activities that they encourage you to do. And so my question to you is, are you a leftovers guy? It depends on the kind of food. Mm. Right? Um, I, I would say yes and no because, yeah, I mean there are definitely times of looking in the fridge and seeing that there is – uh, some sort of plastic container that got pushed to the back of a shelf mm. that hasn't been seen in about a month. Mm. And so usually about once a month, I'll do a, a, a sort of a, a cleaning of the fridge and realize that 
I can be. We can be kind of wasteful with mm. our food. So, um, yeah, it just depends on the kind of food okay. for us. Do you have you? a favorite? Uh, so the best foods, best leftovers for me that always get eaten, one is pizza. Okay. You know, so you have pizza, then at lunch or dinner, and then the next day, pizza for breakfast works. It really does. You don't have to wait till lunch. So now there's there's a great debate on the internet mm-hmm. over what is the best way to reheat pizza. So yeah. how do you go about doing that? I just that? put it back in the microwave. In so, the microwave. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose putting it in the oven could be a good option. Some people eat theirs cold. I'm not too big mm-hmm. on eating cold pizza. Uh, but I think other than that, like, like Sloppy Joe is a really good mm-hmm. leftover. Heats up pretty well. Mm-hmm. We've been doing taco salad pretty religiously for the last three months, mm. usually on Tuesdays. So tonight would be a taco salad night. And so we make enough so that we get we eat that for dinner and then we have leftovers for the, the next night for, for dinner. Mm. Or Becca can take some to school for lunch. Yeah. And so really any sort of like, like meat, uh, sloppy joe, taco, and then I think like chili – and soups. Yeah, that's uh, I was going to say. Chili and soups yeah. are some of my favorite. Thai food mm. for us, mm. which we don't. Did you know we don't really have any Thai food in St. Joe? So what is the biggest difference between Thai and Chinese? Because I've had both and I've had similar things. But what to you is So the, for Thai, I usually end up getting curries. Okay. So okay. that's one of the things that I kind of miss. Yeah, there are. we did have a good Asian spot in town. Mm. Which uh, one do you like? What was the one that the we went Hunan? to? Yeah, you like that? that was that, good. Yeah, that I, was I probably like the it. best one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one was really good. Well, and, yeah, those typically reheat pretty well. So like curry is one thing that I love mm-hmm. to have leftovers of. Again, Mexican typically yeah. reheats pretty well. Sure. Um, I am a kind of leftover pizza guy. I use my air fryer to reheat. Oh, so we don't have an air fryer. So see that? that I think it, Santa's bringing an air fryer to the Pittsfield house. <laughs> there you go. All right. Oh, well, they're worth a while. Um, see, those are good. Um, but as we think of kind of just, I don't know, I thought maybe this could be symbolic. Yeah. We think about getting rid of the leftovers. Like what are – could this be a metaphor oh, yeah. for things mm-hmm. that we need to – Maybe jettison. Well, it's like your burn barrel thing, right? There's just mm. it feels good to to clean up, to to declutter, to see the ground again. Mm. Oh, that just feels so good. I mean, just last week there was a nice day, and I got out with a rake, and I didn't enjoy raking leaves as a kid, mm. but there's something therapeutic about it for me. And same thing with cleaning the yeah. house or cleaning out the fridge. And it goes back – I think I mentioned this on a previous episode where Bob Goff talks about every day of the week, we're always adding things to our life. We're buying things, acquiring things, putting new things on our schedule. Mm. And he says you got to take a day where that day is dedicated to getting rid of things and mm. saying no to things and clearing your calendar. You know, And so I think that's important for, because that's sort of a concept of Sabbath, I guess. Sure. You know, kind of decluttering, saying no to things. So you can say yes to other things. Mm. And so um, for me, it's like <laughs> decluttering so you can clutter it back up again, well, right? Because it's going to happen. So uh, we're, we're going to clutter things up again. And so clear the space, enjoy that brief moment that it's clear, yeah, and then you know get back into life. Well, I think that's like if you've – we did pretty well where I was looking at the fridge today. Now, granted, we had like three Thanksgivings, so like there was some leftovers um, still. But we've done a pretty good job of trying to use up and rather than just keep piling on more. 
And with my mom in town, of course, she likes to to take us out to eat. So we had that uh, nice. another thing to <laughs> juggle on top of Thanksgiving. Absolutely. But as as far as a, just a habit of going, you know what? We're going to take a night and do leftover night mm-hmm. rather than just cook another meal to yep. pile more in there. Sure. In the same way, there's probably a lot of areas of your life like where you're saying, hey, let's let's really take time to appreciate what's already there yeah. rather than this need to pile on more and more and more. Because, mm. uh, again, you don't – too it's much good. of a good thing, you just can't enjoy any of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Or we, we're yeah. probably so – we just went over staff meeting. It was like making sure that – I was feeling this with, as we were thinking about youth events. I'm going, you know what? The church has got enough going on. We need to just yeah. plug into that sure. rather than pile on more. And sure. and then what happens is you're stressed out and you enjoy none of it. Right. That's how it goes. So mm. eat your leftovers, folks. Plan on it. <laughs> and if you don't, throw them out and start fresh. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Yeah, yeah. This day in history. This is a fun one. November 28th, night, or I'm sorry, 1893. Women vote in a national election for the first time in New, the New Zealand general election. So in the late 19th century, the women's suffrage movement was widespread uh, throughout northern Europe, America, Britain, and its colonies. But the first self-governing country to grant all women the right to vote was New Zealand on the 19th of September, 1893. And that election took place on November 28th, later that year. New Zealand granted all women, including the indigenous Maori women, the right to vote decades before other countries. Although some U.S. states were early to extend the right to vote to women, uh, Wyoming in 1869, Utah 1870, the next country after New Zealand was Finland in 1907 which was then part of the Russian Empire, which makes it even more interesting. But many other countries, such as the United Kingdom, uh, first did it in 1918, and then I think that was women over 30 in 1918, Mm -hmm. and then all women over 21 in 1928, and then the United States in 1920 did not bring in women's suffrage until after World War I. Wow. So? Yeah. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting that New Zealand – we don't often think of New Zealand as leading the charge in women's suffrage. Uh, but how does that little fun fact maybe encourage you to pay attention to what's going on in the world? Well, we'd like to think of ourselves as like the forerunners uh, of like everything new and progressive in the world. And yeah. apparently we aren't uh, leading that or we haven't at least in no. the past. Um, it's always more complex than that. But what surprises me is the states, Wyoming and Utah, mm-hmm. allowing that years before even – New Zealand does because, like, if you were to take a guess on what states w- would allow women to vote first, sure. D- does Wyoming and Utah just like pop up immediately? It was like these are, are the no Utah might be the last one that would come to <laughs> mind know. for a variety. What is of going reasons, on, but... man? The Mormons are just just at at the <laughs> tip of the spear on this thing here. Um, yeah, I guess that, when that's... you outnumber your husband seven, no, that's wrong. So. <laughs> Oh gosh! Bad yeah, joke. so that's Sorry. what that's what I first got there. But then, yeah, <clears throat> to to see that uh, what that what this did was opened up my eyes a little bit to see that we we like to think ourselves as the center of everything good that's happening in the world, and I think even now for us to to see that we are and we can still be the recipients of good things that are happening in the world. Sure, that yes. We as the United States can do some good things and bring joy and and goodness to people's lives around the world, 
But what can we receive from people around the world who we would say, well, they're living in outdated societies or, sure. you know, they're not as they don't have as much as we do. And so you think about all of the immigrants that are coming into the United mm -hmm. States and who are becoming citizens and are excited to live here and they're bringing with them these values and they're bringing some some good things. I mean, it's not, sure. you know, it's oftentimes when we think of immigration, we think of um, the, the worst that the immigrants bring, right? And so anyway, so but it, it just opened up my eyes to see that perhaps um, – the United States doesn't have to be at the forefront of every good thing that's happening and we can be the well, recipients yeah. of other good things. I mean, that's a narrative I've often heard mm -hmm. um, as a pastor and I don't want to discredit that there's been a lot sure. of good things. There has. Yep. But the idea that freedom and democracy was solely dependent – like there are other parts of the world where those things were happening. Yeah. Um, at the same time and even before in many ways, like whether it become to slavery or women's suffrage, like there were other places that mm -hmm. led the way on some of these issues that biblically I think we should have hopefully gotten right um, before then. Sure. And so I think just in, like not getting that kind of um, we're just better than everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the ways that that infiltrates the church is we evaluate how Christianity is doing basically – you know, based on what's going on in our own backyard. Um, and so I hear a lot of Christians today who are kind of like, oh man, everything's going the wrong way. When it, if you look globally at Christianity, we've it's thriving in a way that's yeah. like yeah. unprecedented. Right. Uh, which is saying something because it kind of exploded there in the first century mm -hmm. and it's still going gangbusters yes. and God is doing some really cool things. And I think it's just a reminder that we aren't the center of the universe. Yeah. And I think uh, just as a caution, as, as I think, and this is a temptation for any Christian who's a part of any nation mm -hmm. to make us the, the again the center of what God is doing in yeah. the world yeah. is just it's backwards. Um, and so, yeah, just to be mindful that there are places, and I, I appreciate the immigrant thing. That one of the things that I've uh, read is that we would be coming a more and more secular society if it weren't for immigration. Mm. That the, one of the things uh, that that is coming along that is re religious, but particularly like Christian yeah. uh, values and people yeah. like flooding in through immigration is actually one of the things that's keeping um, our society yeah. actually having some of those values. Yeah. Yes. And so yes, the the traditional values that, <laughs> <laughs> that it's coming from people yeah. coming from around the world who are Christians. And mm -hmm. here's the other cool thing on that. I mean. I know this isn't about immigration, but you know, since since I brought it up, yeah. here's this idea that we're told to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And here, it's like we live in a country where all the world wants to come to us, come to this place to live mm -hmm. and be our neighbors. I mean, there, if we can't see that as a blessing and an opportunity uh, to continue to fulfill that great commission, because then those who come here um, that either already have a faith that are going to strengthen the church or those who are going to come to the United States and then learn about Jesus, how many friends and family do they have back in the countries mm. that they originated from? You know, that, that message. I, I don't know. I just think there's so much good to celebrate about what's happening around the world. And I think this one uh, instance, another thing is, is sort of, you think about the timeline of, of all of this stuff happening. And I, I think, we live in a culture that we have such a connectivity that we didn't have back then yeah. that 
it seems like these changes are happening faster and faster and faster. And so it's just good to appreciate that these changes, while some may say, well, that it took such a long time sure. for it to happen in the grand scheme of things, <laughs> without the internet, without the connectivity that we have today, that's actually pretty amazing pace for those kinds of changes to, to sure. occur around the world. Well, and it was interesting. I mean, a lot of it connected to World War One and that the dynamic that that brought in and uh, probably opened up our minds for for change just because of a lot of disruption that was happening. And to, so to see that even as heinous as some of those events were, um, that there's maybe good that came out of um, some of that just as we got shaken. Now, we talk about women's suffrage, and I think, uh, you know, in some of those conversations that I've had with people uh, regarding women's rights and feminism and different things, uh, the Bible is often – uh, has a reputation, I think, with people for being kind of anti-women. Um, and so as you kind of think through that and you've, you've wrestled through these issues, how has uh, the biblical text maybe been misunderstood and misused um, in relation to kind of the, yeah, just men and women sure. in that dynamic? Yeah. I think when we read the Bible and we see patriarchy, um, it's good to remember that patriarchy really – takes off after the fall, right? right? And so it's sort of a product of what happens uh, from from disobedience, from, from the curse. And while God can use um, different systems of uh, – where it, it's not about one person who's in charge or who tells someone what to do, um, God can use people in, in places of, of authority and positions of power for redemptive purposes. And I think that's what, what God – um, wanted for the people who were in systems of, of patriarchy. Um, and, and so I, I think, one, uh, we sort of have to look beyond how patriarchy was abused in the scriptures and just remind ourselves that that's not God's in, intention for humanity. Um, and so that's kind of where, yeah. where I start, I guess. Sure. Well, I think that's important. Is like you said, you called the that I picked up probably in Sunday school and different things is is thinking of the biblical characters as heroes, mm. um, yeah. rather than deeply flawed individuals who aren't living up to that call. You know, the hope of the the seed of woman, which you're going to be yes. talking about mm. uh, this week. And so when you see Abraham, you know commit like sexual abuse against his Hagar. The Bible's not saying, hey, that was a good thing. It's actually <laughs> right. depicting that as, right. no, this is a guy who's yeah. deeply flawed and disobedient. Sure. Because um, throughout mm. the, the scriptures, there's this constant elevation of women. Um, I was just listening through and reading in Numbers uh, 27, the daughters of Zelophehad, right? This is yeah. not a one that often gets brought up, but sure. you get... Uh, basically, this guy who dies and his land inheritance, um, he doesn't have any sons. And so his daughters aren't going to get to inherit the land. And they come to Moses and they're like, hey, we think this is unjust. Yeah. And Moses is like, man, I should probably consult God on this. And guess what? They actually go, hey, no, this that's not right. And so they, they adjust things yep. according to that. And I think that's one of the other issues with, with the Bible that I think people have is that God, again, when he condescended and spoke to humanity, that, again, a patriarchal culture is what he spoke into. And sure. so it's not that he's mm -hmm. licensing the mistreatment of women. Sure. It's just that was the existing reality that he starts to work with and to shape. Um, 
And I think we would like for him to just say, I'm going to flip over the whole system from the get-go. <laughs> sure. And yeah. the, the, that's just not the yeah. biblical pattern. It's often taking those systems right. and reforming them, making them more just, yeah. saying, hey, let's use wisdom here. Paul does this, yeah. I think, at the Roman household and mm -hmm. in slavery. Um, it's not something for, – for him, I think it's just the gospel being received is more important than whatever social reform Absolutely. might be. And he anticipates that that would be done differently yeah. by Christians, but he doesn't necessarily just go over and flip tables and say that, that – I think that slowly over time, sure. letting wisdom and the love of Christ shape things is the approach that they take. And whether – you know, you can like that or hate it. Yeah. Um, that seems to be the biblical pattern from the outset, mm -hmm. is the slow shaping of culture versus just the revolution. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think another thing that doesn't have to be a bad thing is the different roles for for the sexes, for, sure. for men and women. That's not to say that to be a woman means that you always have to do these certain things and you can't sure. venture out of that. But we sometimes we can go too far either one direction and, and say uh, – that just because a woman is better at doing these things and a man is better at doing these things, that that's not necessarily a bad thing sure. in the relationship of, of man and woman. They were made to complement each other. And and so I, I think that's that's a good ideal for us is to see ourselves as where we are strong, God will use us to build up the other, and where we are weak, God will use the other sex to build us up where where we need it. You know, so yeah. <clears throat> so I think sometimes our, our culture, again, we can <laughs> we've, we've talked a little bit about this of, of how we can read the Bible and and critique these people who lived years ago and say that they were backwards and antiquated. Um, they were doing the best that they could in the time that they had receiving the revelation of God in their time. And I think we're, we're still, I mean, in, in our day and age, we think of ourselves as so advanced and so modern and, and we just have it all together. Sure. And we're still grappling with that revelation of, of Jesus become man as our savior. We're, we're still, we're a work in progress and we will be until, you know, we, we get into the new creation, into the new heaven and the new earth where you know, perhaps then the the wrongs that we see in the patriarchal system throughout humanity will will be righted, and things will be will, will be how God intended them to be. But until that time, we wrestle with these. Well, and that's I think uh, our, our culture yeah. wants to push the these realities to the extreme of not j beyond equal and value, dignity, and worth to sameness. And I think that's where the sure. Bible would say no. Right. Like we are actually created. Yeah. Uniquely, like male and female, absolutely, and th those are appreciating. I, I was reading a critique of this new Disney movie out, and I'm going to forget the name. It was uh, Strange Something, uh -huh. uh, but one of the things that he raises is you have in there. It's again the uh, the first kind of protagonists that are. Um, LGBTQ, like it's kind of pushing that, but then also just in everything they depict in there, there's like um, men are depicted as more feminine, women as more masculine or whatever. And one of the things they said in this like pushing of kind of diversity, it was actually, it became this muddled sameness. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's one of the things that we are seeing culturally where um, a lot of these good val values of saying everyone has value, dignity, and worth, where we missed it, right? When sure. women weren't included right. <laughs> with the right to vote, that's sure. – you're treating them as a lesser human. Right. Um, 
but preserving this God-given differences. And so when we think of a church that's made up of all ethnicities and nations, it's not jettisoning you know, those, those things. Sure. It's us all coming together in this beautiful oneness that's not sameness. Yeah. And I think that's, that's – as, as I watch a culture kind of get that wrong, mm. right? Uh, yeah. Oneness is becoming sameness and sure. it's um, – I think it's destroying what is, what is God-given in us in many ways. And yep. So whether that's along male-female lines or sure. ethnicities and language yeah. and cultures. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, it's like it's like the, it, we just talked about immigration, right? Yeah. And so what if everybody who came to the United States came and they stopped making the kind of food that we so yeah. enjoy from, you know, and the same thing, same thing for us. I mean, and so, yeah, I think that's such a good lesson in the power and the strength and the beauty in in our differences. Mm. And we, we don't need to be as on guard against our differences uh, from from each other. Uh, you know, we can celebrate those um, more than we do. And I think we should. Amen. All right. Um, so let's talk about your sermon. Um, the second, so we we started a new series. You uh, titled it "Ponder Anew," mm-hmm. and I liked that. It was, and what basically the the series is is looking at Jesus through a number of of portraits um, that New Testament writers use and kind of link him back to um, other biblical characters. And so we're doing is Adam, Abraham, David. Yeah. Moses. Moses, mm-hmm. missed Moses there. Um, and then kind of the son of man from Daniel 7. Um, and so you started with Jesus as the second Adam. And as you kind of studied this and looked at uh, – it's mostly Paul. Do other – do you have a New Testament writer link, Adam? Paul primarily. primarily. And he, I mean he's the only one that I quoted in, okay. in the message. Um, so as you explored his use, and he does it a couple different uh, spots, but yeah. um, and his linking of Jesus to Adam, what kind of just mm-hmm. stuck out to you? What really hit you last week? First, I tip the cap to you um, for for kind of coming up with that outline for for, mm-hmm. the, for the Advent series there, and so thinking about um, Paul's use of this idea of Jesus being the second Adam. The contrast that that I think is just we'll probably never truly grasp the, um, the how sweeping it is is this idea of of Adam being the represent representation mm-hmm. for for all who have sinned and all who then participate in that death nature, um, and then to say that Jesus then is that second Adam the one who because of his obedience instead of his disobedience that all will be made alive in the same way that all will be made be, be dead in, mm-hmm. in Adam you know and so I, I think sometimes in, in our Christian theology we elevate the first Adam over the second Adam mm. the, the work of the first Adam and 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 so for for me I, I think there's some some mystery in in that work mm. of salvation. Uh, I don't know exactly how God is going to do it all in, in the end as far as um, the recreation of, of all things, the redemption of all things. Um, and so I sort of have to leave it to, to some mystery. And, and so I, I think about the, the Luke 15 um, passage that mm. I shared just briefly in the message 
about the shepherd who leaves the 99 to find the one, you know, and, and the Luke, you know, he leaves no doubt in that parable that Jesus is going to find that one lost lamb. Mm. You know, he's, he's going to find what, what's his, what belongs to him. And same thing in the same, <clears throat> just a few verses later in Luke 15 about the woman who loses the coin. Um, she's going to light the lamp and she's going to search the house high and low until she finds that coin. And so I think for, for me, just this, again, salvation belongs to our God. And I, at the end of the day, I have to realize and, and be humble enough to say that salvation isn't up to me, that I get to be a proclaimer of good news and that God is renewing the world. God is re- remaking all things. Mm. Um, it looks bleak at times, and I don't understand how it's all going to come come to pass, but um, I don't have to sweat the, sweat the details on that. And so I don't know, man. I mean, you could just sit and, mm. and think uh, for days upon um, just the mysteries of Christ being the second Adam um, and sort of this idea of we have the choice to either stay in the line of the first Adam mm. <laughs> and go down that path mm. that just leads to nowhere but the grave, um, or we can step out of that line and freely step into the line of the second Adam and receive the benefits of of that life and that gift. Mm. That's good, brother. Mm. So, I mean, you were actually hitting on this this morning when you came into my office, too. Um, and I think really all of these portraits will do this in, in some sense. But how did this particular portrait of Jesus maybe just, again, reorient you and reorient us to what the actual story of the Bible is? Which I think you just raised uh, yeah. that, that issue a little bit. Sure. And that a lot of times the gospel can be presented as, hey, um, you know, you live a life and based on – whether it's you know depending on your tradition, good deeds or yeah. uh, proclamation of faith, uh, you know half of you go to heaven, half of you go to hell. Good luck type of sure. thing. Yeah, um, you see that. May the odds be ever yeah. in your favor. Right? Uh, but yeah. I think what you said is that is more of a biblical portrait, where is like we're we've we've stepped out of life into death. And God will honor that as long as we continue to choose to, to live in that. Right. But through Jesus, he made a, a path uh, to life, which Absolutely. is really beautiful. Yeah. Um, and so how – I mean, I guess, yeah, how does this reorient us mm-hmm. back to that narrative? And what are some ways that we maybe make the Bible about other things other than that particular story yeah. of what Jesus yeah. did to open up life to us again? I heard someone say – and I think it was in a message from Judah. Is it Smith up in uh, Pacific Seattle Northwest? Yeah. yeah. So he said something in a message about how our salvation is not based on our performance, mm. but it's based on the performance of Jesus, right? Mm. He made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And and I, I think I shared that in, mm-hmm. in the message on Sunday. And so I think it reorients us to the big story of the Bible as we talked a little bit this morning in your office. Going back to what you said in your first message at, at Wyatt Park, that in Genesis 3, we are introduced to this, this theme that runs all throughout the scriptures, very mm-hmm. heavily through the Old Testament. And we see even going into Revelation, basically this idea that the serpent – who comes along and tempts Adam and Eve to listen to their voice, to their wisdom over God's wisdom, um, becomes sort of that um, 
after after mm. the curse is unleashed into uh, humanity, what we are looking for at that point is this one that's going to come at some point in the story to crush uh, the head of the serpent. Mm. And and so then the question is, who is that serpent crusher? We're looking forward, looking forward. Um, all of the patriarchs are looking for and wondering who who that person's going to be. And um, and so yeah, that that I think how that ties the Old Testament and the New Testament together is is very beautiful because the the seed of the woman um, that's going to crush the serpent uh, is isn't found until. Until Jesus comes along, right, and and even then, when Jesus comes along, how many people realize that He was the one? <laughs> right. You know, I mean, you think about the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Um, I mean, just the 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 day of His birth, there, it's obvious that not many people were tuned in to this is the the serpent crusher <laughs> that is around on earth. Well, I wonder. I mean, I, there was some messianic anticipation there, but there's also like when you get into reading their theology. Um, they they had kind of I think missed the point of the story and, and we're we're thinking that that was dependent upon their adherence to uh, the law or um, again pursuing righteousness on their own that like oh once we get good enough Messiah comes back sure well and that, I think like you said that misses. Yeah. The boat of what he talks about with Adam, mm -hmm. right? This idea, and I know with our Western individualism, like this idea of uh, corporate responsibility through Adam is uncomfortable with us. Uh, but here's the thing that comes with corporate <laughs> responsibility, with like, the or, fall. Or, or I mean, blessing. Mm -hmm. Well, and corporate mm -hmm. blessing through Jesus sure. is the flip side of that coin. So let's <laughs> let's learn to embrace it. And I think that's um, you know it's interesting where where this idea of the one you're mentioning mm -hmm. being the storyline. Psalm 1 was one I read so long where you see mm -hmm. uh, blessed is the one that is, is uh, you know, meditates on the law, is righteous, doesn't sit in the ways of the wicked. It's interesting. I went back and was doing a study on that with, again, just this messianic lens. And all of the language for the righteous one is singular. Yeah. And all yep. the ones for the the wicked and uh, those who would defy God is, is a plural. Plural, okay. And so you're looking for not mm. not it's not anyone yeah. who is righteous. You're looking right. for the one. Yeah. And now again, as his followers, hopefully we become and emulate all of those things. But that's Absolutely. a step that we got to remember that the whole storyline yeah. and one that just as you were highlighting that life that comes through Jesus. Uh, as the flip side of the death that was brought in through the rebellion in the garden there. Yeah. It's just that one, yeah. looking for the one. And we, I, that's why I'm so excited about this series because basically we get to talk about that from a lot of different angles. Different angles, yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, you know, we'll, we'll get into – this will go into to next week's message. Sure. But Galatians 3, how it talks about those who are descendants of Abraham mm. or children of Abraham. It's because they have faith. Yeah. And there are times when Jesus talks to the Pharisees and Sadducees in John eight, and I think also it will John the Baptist when they when mm -hmm. the, they come to be baptized, and there's the point made that you think you are children of Abraham because you're physically born into the family, mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's not a matter of of that. It's not just you're automatically in. It's it's there. There's you've got to have a change of heart. And, and the faith that accompanies to um, to look to Christ as as the the Redeemer and and the one who is who has come to save us all. And so, in some way, probably the hardest thing about this whole message is we want to do more 
to receive <laughs> the blessings sure. of God. And like you said, we, th- we tie it so much to our performance and to how good we are. And that's just, oh man, that just doesn't make sense to us, that God's blessings. And you had a message about this when we were in Haggai? Yeah. Blessings and bad behavior. Yeah. There's this idea that, yes, our sin has consequences, but somehow God's blessings find a way to, to trickle down to us um, and, and find us at our worst. Yeah. And that's good news. And it's good news that we can't, I mean, which one of us would have created that on our own, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and that's where I think just seeing repentance as a relational term um, of a turning back toward a God. Mm-hmm. You know, return to me. Yeah. Is that is that what, sometimes how we translate repentance, in the, especially the Hebrew scriptures, and it's just that reminder of will behavior probably change when there's a the change of posture? Sure, sure. But that's yeah. you could easily change the behaviors without having that posture, and, and God is mm-hmm. more interested in that that root depth that will result in a transformed life versus just checking a bunch of boxes on the that's exterior. It. So. I think getting that right first, yeah, because yeah. I think we, we turn it around. We want the, the behavior to go first, but we can't – we've got to have a heart change before. I think that was the mistake the Pharisees made, mm-hmm. and I think that's why Jesus was just so at odds with them. Mm-hmm. It's not that – it wasn't their behavior that he was upset with, except for the fact that they would start stiff-arming like vulnerable people. Mm-hmm. Um, cause that, and that was the end result of this – piety and this religiosity that was done without uh, a heart transformation. Yeah. And yeah. Um, he was just like, man, you guys, you're just missing something. Missing the um, mm-hmm. And I think that's for us who, who for, us. for us church folk, mm-hmm. it's an easy trap. It's, it's it going to be a constant temptation to sure. to get into that. Um, and so we got to make sure we don't. Mm-hmm. So work. man, Abraham, seat of Abraham this week. It's We're looking fun. forward to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Upcoming events, folks, we got Tableau December 9th and 10th. Um, if you're interested, come check it out. It'll be fun. Yep. Uh, we could always use more volunteers. So if you're here in St. Joe and want to be a part of it, um, I don't know, reach out. Let us know. Shoot us an email. Give yeah. the church a phone call. Absolutely. Um, Good time to get to know some people, some new people, yeah. or people that you've known for a while. So. Uh, yeah, setup is happening December this the 3rd. Sa- yeah, right? this Saturday, the 3rd at... We'll say 8 a.m. 8 to 9-ish. <laughs> 8 to 9-ish. 8 to 9-ish. Yeah. Show up yeah. and we'll, we'll uh, get going. But, yeah, that's what we got going on. So, folks, uh, again, if you're in town, we'd love to have you for the rest of this series. Uh, Advent is just a time to celebrate uh, the coming of Jesus and what he did and also look forward to, to when he comes back. And so we'd love Amen. to invite you into that process. So, But in the meantime, beware of those bears. Grace and peace out.